Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning to see more than just nine or ten faces out there. I was thinking as well about the assigned seating this morning. We do this at Maranatha as well. We have assigned seating. Everybody has a spot where they know to sit, and it does several things that would serve us well, maybe. Uh, If the bench is empty, we know you're gone. It's not just that you can sneak out. We know you're missing, and we know who you are because your bench is empty. And it doesn't work to come late to sneak in the back. You have to. That's your seat. So, Todd, maybe we could bring that up at the men's meeting this (laughs) afternoon as well. I lost track of how many weeks it was since we were meeting like this. This is as close to normal as it's been. I came up with around eight, eight weeks or so. And I feel kind of like we as a church have been holding our breath, um, just kind of in a holding pattern, holding our breath, waiting for the time when we can get back together. And I'm really looking forward to this. Um, some of you I have not had barely any contact with in that length of time. So this is good again. While the world was shut down, it made it forced churches to be creative in what they can do from call-in lines and live streaming, overloading the Internet. I know at the beginning at least some of the platforms that were being used just crashed. It was too much being being used there. Drive-in churches. I saw a Catholic church that had a priest outside on the sidewalk on his chair. He was blindfolded. And people would drive by as a confessional. They didn't couldn't sit in the booth with the curtain because that's not six feet apart. So he was there blindfolded for people to drive by, roll their window down and confess to the priest. So they had to be... Churches have to be creative in times like this. So this pandemic was both a a big deal medically, and I can't believe how politically it's such a big deal. I'm so tired of that. Um, And in society, I sense even still an increasing division, clearer lines being drawn, just an increasing division among not just politicians, but Normal people, people, society. And I've talked to both sides of this, and I'm sure you have too, and people who feel strongly one way or the other. The one side says, if you open things up, you don't care about people and you have no common sense. And the other side says, well, if if you keep things shut down, you don't care about people and you have no common sense. And they both feel very strongly about it. Two sides acting and reacting. And which side are you on? And the nice answer would be, well, I'm not on any side. I'm on God's side, and that's nice. But you all have a feeling, one way or the other, which direction you think things should go. Um, should we be shutting down? Should we be opened up? You, you all have a feeling somewhere, somehow, to some degree. And... You probably find yourself right in the middle like we always do. There's many, many different ways to look at opening up church again. 
there's lots of different ways it could be done, and there's just as many opinions on how this should happen in this group. And I know there's not conflict, but varying opinions in other conservative Mennonite churches on how things should be opening up. So what should our response be as Christians, as children of God? What should our response and what should our position be, first of all, to the world around us and then to each other? What should our response be in times like this? There was discussion even from the very beginning of this pandemic in the beginning of March when things really started blowing up about this being the church is being persecuted and we need to stand for what's right. And I don't believe personally, I don't believe this is about persecution, but I will also say that I do believe that the devil is at work and Satan wants to use this thing to his benefit. I believe that Satan also wants to use the reopening of things to his benefit, including the opening of churches. He wants to use it to his advantage. My desire and my goal, and I'm sure each of you as well, is to not let that happen, not to let Satan have his way. But I would like to see this group, our church, come out of this shutdown more vibrant and more alive and more unified and more energized than we have ever been before. And that's possible. We can do this. We can come out more focused with our eyes wide open and more zealous and energized and unified than we ever were before. Turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Paul here is addressing the church at Rome and he's explaining to the Roman church what the proper response is to civil authority. And I'm not going to go down that path this morning. But I'd like to look at the last several verses of the chapter. Romans 13. I'll begin reading at verse 11. But as he, as he gets to the end of the chapter here, he's explaining in a general way, in just a few verses, he touches on a few things of what the life of a Christian should be like in our response to the world around us. So Romans 13, verse 11. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I'll stop reading there. It appears as though the Roman church had been living in a bit of a humdrum state of apathy. Business as usual. Half-hearted, easygoing Christianity. That's what it appears like to me. In verse 11 and 12, Paul is saying that now knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. You've been in a humdrum state of Christianity. Wake up. 
For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The Lord is returning, and if it was true then, how much more truer is it now? Stop living sinfully and start living in the light. It's as if they were lined up. They're at a kind of a watershed time. They're lined up, ready for a race. And Paul is saying, ready, set, go. They're poised and they're ready for something. And I'm not in any way suggesting this morning that our church has been in a humdrum state of easy Christianity. That's not at all what I'm trying to say here. But I do want us to feel the urgency that Paul's trying to convey to the church at Rome here. We are coming out of this being shut down. And I see it as a tremendous opportunity. An opportunity for us to be vibrant, to be zealous, to be energetic as a church. So what I'm I'm asking you to feel is the urgency that Paul is asking them to feel of this ready, set, go. We're poised, we're ready, let's, let's do it right. Let's come out of this with both eyes wide open. Verse 13, after the warning, Paul gives them the solution. He said, let us walk honestly as in the day. And then he gives them things not like this and this and this. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. I see this is applying to us as well, too. There's plenty of strife and envying in the world around us. Again, I'm not inferring that it's here, but if you look, I mentioned earlier about in society, the strife, the envying, the mudslinging that's going on, the, as society is polarized by their responses to this reopening of the economy and even in general, the proper way to respond to this pandemic there's plenty of strife and envying and things like that going on so he's saying let's walk honestly as in the day not like that and I had to look at the phrase as in the day and it means walk honestly as in broad daylight Everybody, you're being watched you're being seen it's in broad daylight you can see what you're doing let's walk that way as children of God So I'd like to look at what Paul is telling the church in Rome here and then apply it to our church today. We're coming out of this lockdown where our church has been on hold. We're poised to resume in some way. It's in the day. Our eyes are wide open. We can see. We need to walk honestly as in broad daylight, not getting caught up in the strife and mudslinging of society. But the phrase that caught my attention in these verses that I read is, let us walk honestly as in the day. I'd like to look at three characteristics that need to be present in each of us personally, individually, but as a as a group as well. Three characteristics. What does it mean for us to walk honestly in the day? Those characteristics are this humility Consistency and transparency. Humility, consistency, and transparency. And I'd like to look at those three things as how they apply or how they relate to three relationships that we have in life. So I'm going to be looking at three sets of three this morning. Humility, consistency, and transparency. And then I'd like to look at how each of those relate to our relationship with God how they relate to our relationship as a brotherhood or with the church, and how they relate to our relationship with the world around us.
Three sets of three. Turn with me back a page, if you need to, in your Bible to Romans 12. If we can adopt these three things, humility, consistency, and transparency, into our lives and into the brotherhood, I think it will serve us well in in opening up as a church and then as we maintain a spirit of growth within the church. So Romans 12, verse 3, looking at humility, first of all. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I'm going to read that verse in the New Living Translation. Now it says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. King James says, measuring yourselves, sorry, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. What does that mean? It means the more spiritually mature you are, the more you will sense the need for and the more you will have the wisdom in applying humility. So don't think of yourself more highly as you ought to think, but according to your spiritual maturity is where you will sense the need for humility and have the wisdom in applying humility. So humility in our relationship to God, this is probably the easiest one for us to relate to. Humility in our relationship to God. Not saying we're always good at it, but we can understand it. We can understand the greatness of God and the smallness of me and the humility necessary in that relationship makes sense. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That should bring humility in our relationship with God. Psalm 8 When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Keeping in mind the humility in our relationship with God. When we keep this humility in mind, it reminds us of our dependency on God, and every one of you is dependent on God. But meditate on that. Think about how dependent you are on God. We remember who God is, who we are in relation to him, what he has done for us, and where we would be without him. I think this is probably the most important thing, the most important beginning to walking honestly as in the day. Walking in humility in our relationship with God. Humility in my relationship to the church. Within the church, there are many different ways to do things. And there are many ways to do them right. And what I find interesting is someone will come up with a way to do something and I'll think, maybe even subconsciously, I'll think, how did they come up with that? Why would they choose to do it that way? But everybody has been brought up in a certain way. They've gone through certain life experiences. Different things like that will shape your perspective. And people probably look at you and say, why would he choose to do something that way? But it's because of of your experiences you've been through, life experiences, the way you've brought up. Even your personality play a part in your perspective. 
So the majority is not always right. But within the brotherhood, if you find yourself in constant conflict with the brotherhood, with a spirit-led brotherhood, perhaps it's time to take a look at your humility. When you stand against a brotherhood, you better be really, really, really sure that you're being led by the spirit. Because if you're not, what you're saying is everybody else is not spirit-led. The majority is not always right, but if you find yourself in constant conflict with a spirit-led brotherhood, take a look at your humility. There are various, varying gifts, varying talents within a group, within a brotherhood, each with their own perspective. And we do well to hear from other perspectives, even or maybe especially if it comes in the form of criticism, because if someone criticizes you, There's probably some truth to it. They obviously saw something. So hear them and learn from it. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. And here's the tricky one. Easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Humility means you're easy to be entreated, easy to be approached, easy to be confronted, Because you are not going to be defensive. You'll hear what people have to say knowing that they have your best in mind. They're speaking truth into your life. It's a trust within the brotherhood. Now humility in my relationship to the world. Colossians 4 verse 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time or making the most of every opportunity. Walk in wisdom towards those that are without or those that are in the world. We need to keep a clear testimony. The New Testament, at least twice, maybe more, uses the the phrase high-minded, being high-minded several times. And it gives the idea of being an arrogant know-it-all. Be not high-minded. So where this probably comes closest to me is be careful how forcefully you share your opinion. Regarding this, I'm speaking specifically now regarding this COVID-19 pandemic. Be careful. Be wise in how forcefully you share your opinion. Be respectful to those that may not agree with you. Walk honestly as in the day we need humility. To walk honestly in the day we also need consistency. Switching to consistency now, I'm defining that as... Steady, reliable, dependable. That's consistency. So consistency in my relationship with God, I I got stuck here. So I'm switching the term consistency to faithful. I think there's a lot of the same thing, but faithfulness to God works better than consistency in my relationship with God. So I'm switching to faithfulness, keeping in mind that the theme of consistency Faithfulness is recognizing that God is in control and he was not surprised by any of this. And that is comforting. When you think of how out of control everything seemed the last eight weeks, people throwing strong opinions, making predictions, and when it didn't happen, being torn apart because of it. 
and the uneasiness in the world. What's going to happen? What we don't know. What every just lots of questions, and people afraid to give answers. This didn't come as a surprise to God. He knows. He knew this. He knows this is happening. He knows what's going to happen after this. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that holds His children in the palm of His hand, and we can take comfort in that. When I think of faithfulness to God, I think of a relationship that is sincere and genuine. God has some pretty serious words for people that are not faithful or maybe hypocritical in their relationship with Him. In James chapter 4, He says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God, for whosoever will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That is people that are not faithful or consistent in their relationship with Him. God calls us to a faithful walk with Him. And I i don't like to use the word dormant, but the church gatherings have been dormant. We have not had church gatherings. But that doesn't mean that your spiritual life needs to be dormant. And I trust it hasn't been. I trust God has been working and speaking in your life as we've been apart. It's difficult. It adds a new dimension without the accountability and the fellowship of the brotherhood. But just because our gatherings have been Unfaithful. It sounds bad. We couldn't do anything about that. Doesn't mean that our spiritual life, our personal walk with God, needs to be unfaithful, inconsistent. Quickly, our consistency in my relationship with the church. To walk honestly as in the day means to walk consistent, consistently within the brotherhood, with my relationship with the church. The danger of not gathering together frequently is a loss of accountability. And we could probably sit quietly and think about that for several minutes. The accountability within the brotherhood and not gathering together the loss of that accountability. But I'll just quickly throw this at you. Does, are you consistent in your relationship with the church? Is your practice at home, while we aren't accountable in our gatherings, Is your practice at home consistent with what your commitment to the church has been? Consistency in my relationship to the world. To walk honestly, as in broad daylight, means we're consistent in our relationship with the world. And it's at times like this that our walk and our talk are scrutinized. I've heard of several people, several of you, who have been questioned by the world around asking questions about what we believe, the way we do things. Some of them are, we would say, silly questions, but they're... I heard of one... Someone was asked by by someone from the community, is it true at times like this that you as Mennonites have to have a freezer full of food? You can do it that what you'd like, but there are questions. We're being observed. Our walk and our talk, do they line up with what we say and what we do? We claim to be strangers and pilgrims. We claim to be citizens of the kingdom of God first. We claim to respect our government leaders. But what is, is the way you talk and the way you relate with society, does that line up with that? Is that at the forefront of your mind or is that just something we say? Are you consistent in what you live and what you say. 
as things are shut down and our normal way of life is threatened. None of you here would join a protest at the governor's house. None of you would do that. But how do you feel about those that do? Are you inwardly saying, way to go? How consistent are we? What about disrespectful comments about the government? Things that we maybe wouldn't agree with. Take you back to the verse in Colossians. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity. As we look at reopening, it's something to consider. Not to make our decisions based on fear of what society thinks, but to be consistent. So to walk honestly, as in the day, is, is humility. To walk honestly, as in the day, is consistency. To walk honestly in the day is being transparent. Transparency with my relationship with God. Turn with me to Psalm 139. If something is transparent, you can see right through it. It doesn't have anything to hide. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him which... Him, uh, I'm sorry. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with which we have to do. I'm going to read that verse from Hebrews in the New Living Translation and listen to it and think about how it affects our transparency in our relationship with God. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. I'd like you to think about God looking right through you. What you do in secret, what you do when you hope nobody's watching. I'd like you to stand with me, and I'm going to read this, and I'd like you to follow along in your Bibles. Just follow along as I read Psalm 139. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art equated with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. I'll stop reading there. You may be seated. 
We know and we understand an all-seeing, or we know and we, to a a degree we understand, an all-knowing and an all-seeing God. And yet I think it's fair to say that everyone here has done things or said things or gone places that we wish no one had seen. When we do this, it's not that we don't believe that God can see it. We just choose to ignore the presence of an all-knowing and an all-seeing God. That doesn't change the fact that God sees us. And so I was meditating on me being transparent and God seeing everything. Well, what's the point in me even thinking about being transparent if God can see everything? It's about my relationship with God. If I don't willingly open my whole life, just open it up, I'm not transparent. He can still see through me, but it's not me being transparent to him. Transparency in my relationship with the church To walk honestly as in the day is to be transparent with the brotherhood. Transparency within a church can only happen when there's trust within its members. Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. There will be differences of opinion. There, There always have been. There always will be. But as a brotherhood that's transparent with each other, we know that each one of you has each other's best in mind for the well-being of the church and the work of the kingdom of God. And I'm so thankful that I can be a part of a church and I can believe with all my heart that you all have my best in mind and the building of the church in mind and the good of the church in mind and that there's not undermining trying to be going on here. Where there is a trust and accountability. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Transparency is a willingness to ask for forgiveness within the brotherhood, and it's a willingness to willingly give forgiveness. Transparency in the world around us. This is very closely related to consistency in the world. Looking at Romans 13 again. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Transparency in the world is an openness when not being ashamed, I guess would be to sum it up. Not being ashamed of the church, not being ashamed of Christ, not being ashamed of what you stand for and believe. When they ask questions, have answers. Be willing and ready to give an answer. That's transparency in the world. As we look at reopening the church, coming back together, as we look at this, let's walk honestly as though it were broad daylight with both eyes wide open. Verse 14 says, Make no provision for the flesh. And that provision for the flesh will look different for each person. The provision for the flesh. You will make your own provision for the flesh. It will look different for everyone. 
So my challenge and my encouragement to you this morning. Recognize and understand and believe that the devil is at work. He does not want to see this church open up again and he'll do what he can to make that as uncomfortable as possible for us. But I would rather choose to look at this as we are poised, we're ready for something great, ready to walk honestly as in the day, ready to open up these doors with unity and a fresh zeal, a fresh way of looking at things, a new appreciation for the church, for the brotherhood, with wisdom, gentleness, patience, understanding. Not getting caught up in the disputing and the murmurings and disputings and the mudslinging of society around us that's so polarizing the world. I believe we need to come together and we can come together as a church. Instead, close yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. If you're able to, would you kneel for prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for this opportunity to be together as a brotherhood, as a church again. I pray that you'll be with us in the coming days and weeks and months as we look at reopening and coming back together as a church. Give us fresh zeal, fresh vision, fresh perspective and unity as a church. I pray that you will help us to recognize the works of Satan and to not allow him to have any room, any foothold, any toehold or anything in this church as we move forward from here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.